0: Oh! <laughs> uh uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Level Select, a podcast about finding the best level or the best representative of a game. Now, it is time to talk about an important game, cultural Touchstone. Now please, what is on our plate this episode, Tony Wilson.
0: Uh, Hey, hey, what's up? Uh, We're going to talk about uh, Banjo-Kazooie and specifically the level Treasure Trove Cove. Uh, which, which I believe, is the best representation of what that series is all about. I've heard some things. I, I, I did some cursory research on this game.
1: You know, like you're know what what, like you know, what the, what the pulse of the internet has to say about Banjo Kazooie. Because I've never actually played Banjo Kazooie. All I right, I'm closing to. out Skype. I just now. didn't never. Really... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I, I like speaking as someone who, who loves 3D platformers, who who who, say, who says with conviction that Spyro Ripto's Rage, Toes Rage, Spyro 2 is my like my, my legit like one of my favorite games. And I think it's my favorite game. Like how have I not played Banjo-Kazooie? Have you
0: at least played 2 but...
1: Tui. <laughs> Well, like I said earlier, uh, I haven't touched. All right. The series okay. At okay. All. That's fine. You you just you're just missing I, out on the best three D platformer. Then. At, you, you know, at, 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 that's totally fair. I, I, I there, there's just so much personality in each level, not just the game. That, that like you know this is completely
0: up my alley. Yeah, I, I recommend them to everybody. Like any anybody who likes platformers, and as you said, likes a, a, a nice injection of personality in their games. Who just likes a game that will make mm-hmm. them laugh. That's what the series does, uh, except for Nuts and Bolts, because it's not good. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says about it, actually. So you're the ugh. type of fan. Okay, so you're the type of banjo ugh. fan. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm the type of banjo yeah. fan that does not like Nuts and Bolts. <laughs> to, to me, that's it's such an insult to what the series is supposed to be. Uh, oh, my I can't, God, I can't yeah. stand it. <laughs>
1: I mean, not just like the the, the sharp tonal shift, but just the, the the opening, pretty much of it. Just saying, like, yeah, this is not gonna be like some bullshit collectible collectathon here. This is we're talking about fucking vehicles. We're driving shit. We're flying
0: shit. Yeah, the the, the opening literally just insults the old games, and I'm like, cool. Well, you, you've you've insulted <laughs> the reason I am playing this, so now I don't know if I want to play this. <laughs>
1: Oh, you like playing a first-person shooter in Halo? Well, now it's like a top-down isometric RPG. Cool. Okay. Which, come to think of that, it actually might be pretty good. Anywho. So we were talking about Banjo-Kazooie this episode, and before we dive right in to the level, I do want to talk a little bit about its development history, and by golly, there's tons of material to it's, go of. It's a of, deep, deep well that
0: you are trudging yeah. into. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So I want to keep it kind of light, because we're going to be well over an hour if we talk a lot about the development of Banjo-Kazooie. Real quick, I found a Game Informer article about the origins of Banjo-Kazooie, and its start was not a goofy platformer full of lively animals, full of personality on the N64. It started life on the SNES as the 3D RPG Project Mm -hmm. Dream. It was about a boy with a wooden... When sword taking on a group of pirates, there's some other proper nouns in there, but it's, it's, it's irrelevant. Since there could not possibly be a 3D RPG on the SNES, the N64 was the better option. Yet, even the system known for kickstarting the 3D generation could not handle the ambitious Project Dream. I mean, Grant Kirkhope had a blog post that's pretty much outlined why Project Dream was just so ambitious and not not capable of running on an N64 or let alone an SNES. Had an elaborate floor system that meant they could stretch the polygons into any shape to create some really great looking landscapes that really had, hadn't been tried before. Unfortunately, the N64 just didn't have the power to run it at a decent frame rate, and we were struggling to make it work. But then at the same time, another 3D game developed by Rare of Conker's Bad Fur Day was also in development at the time and influenced Banjo-Kazooie into becoming a traditional platformer like Mario 64. Still at the time, it was still Project Dream about a boy, you know, like a a basic, like, Zelda, Legend of Zelda-type adventure. But then at that point, Conker's Bad Fur Day... It's it's actually kind of like ironic in that way because you think those roles would be reversed that uh, Banjo Kazooie would influence Conqueror's Bad Fur Day because Banjo Kazooie was released in June of 1998 and Conqueror's Bad Fur Day was released
0: March of 2001, almost three years apart. And uh, it weirdly shows in in not good ways the separation <laughs> between those because like as 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 entertaining as Conqueror is. It plays like garbage, and if you don't believe me, yep. try it on Rare Replay if you haven't played it in a while. <laughs> You'll realize, oh, actually this controls so badly. How did the team that made the really like good platformers like Banjo-Kazooie and DK64, how did they make a platformer that plays this badly?
1: Now, was it the uh, original Xbox version of Conqueror's Bad Further on the Rare Replay, or is it the original uncensored one on the N64? I,
0: you know, I'm not sure uh, which version is on there. Okay. It might be the... I don't... You know what? I, I do not know. I would imagine it's the original yeah, one. I, I, but, do, uh, I believe you, it is you the never original know. one, but whatever one it is still plays like garbage. <laughs> you know, I don't know how much better the Xbox One <laughs> plays if it's... If it is improved, and if it is the more improved Xbox version on Rare, Re- on Rare Replay, and that version still plays like crap, that would just illustrate how poorly the original would play in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> just listen to The Great Mighty Pooh, and that's it. That's all you need that's to That's basically that all game. you need. Pretty watch, uh, watch The Godfather, watch Alien, and you're fine. Basically. You've got everything. <laughs> oh, and Terminator. That's in there. Really? All those well, references? a lot more than that. Um... Good Lord! Or Matrix is in there. Yeah. You you know, I find hard to believe that uh,
1: Conker's Bad Fur Day Day, was still in development in like 1997 and 98, but then you have uh, uh, Conker's Pocket Adventure, this really cute one. Yeah. Yeah, the Game Boy one, like in 1999. So, so it was like simultaneous, like Conker's Bad Fur Day. This real like, like hard. Rated teen for teen game, and then you have this like super cute. Oh, it was it was it was for definitely everyone.
0: <laughs> Conquer is, is yeah, yeah. further than that. I mean, th- that's not the game we're talking about. We're gonna talk about uh banjo, but to uh to bring it back to that in, in dream and everything, they actually did release beta footage of product uh project dream uh, at the end of okay, uh, I want to say 2015. Um, and you can actually look it up on YouTube. You can actually look up prototype footage, uh, and oh, I I think okay. it is the documentary that's included in Rare Replay. That's just what they also posted to YouTube. Right. But you look at it, and you're just like, yeah, how how did you even get this to run on an SNES? Like it's it's kind of <laughs> unbelievable. Like it, it looks like Quest sixty four, but but better. Okay. Like it actually looks good. It has kind of like the the Donkey Kong Country. Um, the, the kind of like hand-drawn sprite thing that they did but on like an isometric plane almost like the way Chrono trigger played like I you look at it and there's yeah you wonder how they ever thought it would work on Super Nintendo speaking of r- r-
1: rare replay there's
0: a ton
1: of those like mini documentaries of, of it, pretty much like every game on that rare replay collection on the, the Xbox one I, I want to say it's, it there's like 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 a bunch of like mini docs, like eight minute mini. There's docs. one for
0: just about every game, I think. Uh, but but even though like Dream did get scrapped, there actually is a bunch of stuff that carried over. So like uh, there's the whole thing was like going to be about the boy and, and he's fighting pirates and stuff. So Blackbeard right. himself, who was going to be like the villain in the game, does appear in Banjo Tooie, and he literally has he literally <laughs> has a line that is weirdly. Martin Luther King Jr. like where he's like I had a dream once about whatever and it's totally a reference <laughs> to the fact that he was the villain in Project Dream uh, and, and oh, Grunty okay. is, was in the game originally as a giant obviously she became a witch who's the villain in the new one uh, hmm. Kazooie was in there but she was just like a baby bird that got rescued uh, and there are like some enemies and some artwork that did make the make the uh, leap to the 64 um, but yeah so right. there's, there's a lot of weird stuff that does weirdly uh, there's a lot of stuff that does actually carry over between the two, um, although obviously it didn't change. Another big big crossover.
1: Another big big crossover was uh, founder of Rare Tim Stamper wanted the protagonist to be an animal instead of the boy, and Project Dream, lo and behold, had a minor bear character in place. So then Rare had so much faith in that minor bear character that six months before. He joined Kazooie. Banjo was a character in Diddy Kong Racing as well. Some a, a little bit of trivia here and there. But additionally, I do want to briefly mention the history, uh, the, the, well, more like the the past and current careers of uh, two game devs. Um, it's it's kind of interesting that Banjo-Kazooie ha- had this credit sequence where they had like these, like pretty much like every character... Just introduce and, and give it credit to someone along with like a like a funny name. It's it, it, there's no like senior level designer or studio head here. It's all chief keyboard tapper, seeing crayon cr- 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 Scene Crayoner. I can't say i I, crayoner? I can't say Crayon at all. Crayoner. Crayon. You're welcome. <laughs> and Big Noisemaker. But likely the the two biggest contributors to what made Banjo-Kazooie what it is was the Chief of Ideas, Greg Mays, and Other Ideas, That's 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 the title, George Andres. Now real quickly here, Other Ideas, George Andres, which will forever be an odd credit on his resume, started with Rare in the early 90s and has since bounced around a bit. 2008 was his last year at Rare, but he remained with Microsoft to help develop on the Kinect Sports and Kinect Sports Season 2. Remember Kinect? I don't. He He remained with Microsoft to help develop those games, and after five years at Microsoft, 2013 led George Andres to Sony PlayStation to tackle PlayStation VR. Now, most of what he did was the PlayStation VR Worlds, And he was helmed. He held that as the creative director, and that package pretty much included the VR tech demos you saw when uh, PlayStation VR was coming out, such as that the London Heist VR game. Have you tried the PlayStation VR at all, or like when you're like touring the?
0: Conventions and Ch- I, Ch- I Ch- mean I out and I own like my them. own so yes <laughs> uh, and I the London <laughs> that would make was sense was one yeah. of the first things I played because it was on that like PSVR Worlds disc that they give you with the bundle okay ah uh, okay
1: I see so George Andreas from 2016 to now he now resides as creative director for King Games you know the Candy Crush, Candy Crush people, developer
0: yeah. that. Ooh. Activision paid billions to have. <laughs> yeah, ooh, that's a. I mean, like, good for you. You know, if, if you're high up in that company, you're doing well for yourself monetarily. But, but ew! But like, what, what the a, hell are you yeah, doing? Ugh, yeah, what a stain on your it's resume. Like,
1: it like, okay. It's like he's, he's cashing in. He I guess. From chief
0: of ideas to king of ideas, basically. <laughs> that's good.
1: So speaking of chief of ideas, Greg Mays has been with Rare for over 25 years from 1991 with Battletoads to now with Sea of Thieves Greg started and seems like he'll end his games industry career of Rare and That sounded other way no- darker. That sounded rare. like a lot darker than I think you wanted it to sound <laughs> <laughs> Reading it out loud, yes Writing it down, you know, it, it seemed kind of poetic but uh, kind of deadly Other notable Rare games Greg developed are Viva Pinata Grabbed by the Ghoulies and all three of the Kinect Sports games. I didn't know there was a third. And Donkey Kong Country One and Two. And that about does it for what I'm gonna say about the development history of Banjo Kazooie. Because uh, there's two pretty a... important
0: names, though. I gotta say. Uh-oh. Greg's, uh oh. Greg's got a little brother, Stephen, uh, who was an artist on Banjo, uh, and then went on to be one of the people behind Ukulele. Oh. Yeah, he was he was okay. one of those people uh, who went on to make a game that was way not as good as the Mincho series. Uh, <laughs> it was the same. It was definitely the same kind of game and spirit, but uh, boy, did it just not live up to. I, I mean, what it could have been, I guess. Um, and then I mean, you did mention him, but obviously, Grant Kirkhope, possibly the most famous video game composer, Tommy Tallarico. It's it's, but, be- uh, it's between Hope, the two of them, Kirk but yeah. yeah, like Grant Kirkhope composed for like a bajillion different rare games uh, you've you've definitely heard his musical style it's like that just really happy bouncy kind of thing. Um, he also did music mm-hmm. for ukulele he did music for that game I hat in time last year so like 3d doing like cheery world music for like 3d stages that's kind of his forte. he's the go-to guy for that and also the game
1: where it pits Mario wielding a gun yes, against the smart rabbits. rabbits, that was him.
0: He was on the uh, Ubisoft stage actually, d D three, doing um live That's right, uh, yeah. conducting for that. Yeah. Live composing, yes. And that should
1: be yeah, good. Those, those, those are the only other history. two that I was yeah.
0: like, eh, you should talk about these guys. Oh, admittedly
1: a big gap in on my part, but there's plenty all, of material we should, uh,
0: let's let's make sure we talk about the rare janitor as well and the uh, the receptionist, uh, guy who redid the windows, lady who brought the sandwiches at most lunches. They're all important.
1: Yeah, the sales rep who came rolling mm-hmm. in town one day worked only for like a week and then just like quit because he didn't like Rare's company. The person who reason. had the idea oh, yeah. to
0: put the Conquerors Bad Fur Day ads and the urinals. It's all. <laughs> it's all one big unit. Wait a second. Was that a real thing? Or, like, I, I thought Rayman No, it was totally that. a real thing. They had uh, Conqueror's Bedford ads that they, like, stuck to the inside of urinals so when dudes at bars would go pee, they would see the ad.
1: Oh, okay. No, no. I, I'm thinking of a different, uh, of a print ad where, where, it's, where, it's, where it has, like, a bunch of guys at urinal, uh, urinals looking at Rayman, and it was implying that Rayman had a giant dick. I think I know the
0: one you're talking about. Uh, you're, ta- yeah, you're talking about a, uh, an ad that involves a urinal. I'm talking about an ad literally placed in a urinal. <laughs> uh, shit, okay.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So, speaking of urinal cakes, um, terrible transition, oh. and I kind of oh, I was really guy, hoping you were really going to uh, make this work. <laughs> I'm, I'm ex- so, I am not going to introduce Treasure Cove Trove. Tre- treasure. treasure Trove. It, treasure, I keep trove forgetting. Cove, <laughs> treasure Trove Cove, Robert. Treasure Trove Cove. I might need a little help pronouncing it. I mean, so that's it's, it's I, all uh, your uh, first language.
0: In, yeah. It shouldn't be that difficult.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I, I just keep forgetting the name. So that, that's why I brought in John Lovitz to introduce the level oh, perfect. for me.
0: Treasure
1: Trove Cove. Forget your beach towel because this world is no place to get a tan as our heroes soon realize exploring Treasure Trove Cove. The tide is out and some really crabby characters have come ashore. It's up to you to navigate through this world where the coast isn't always clear. And although it looks inviting, a swim here could be your last. So (laughs) what we just heard was uh, John Lovitz, uh, Saturday Night Live alum, and I think, like, current, so like, at that time, like, 1997, 98, cast member oh, of the famous improv group. Just out. Sketch comedy group? Just of, out? Of, yeah, okay. of
0: SNL, yeah. I think he was just out by then. Well, hmm, 97, I don't know. I'm not going to go to Google a million times for this, but uh, I, I, I want to say he was <laughs> just out. But there was a
1: uh, 10, 15-minute... 10, tape that Nintendo Power sent out to subscribers just to promote various games, and lo and behold, Banjo-Kazooie had the voice of John Lovitz very livenly telling you about this fantastic game. You can play
0: all over a beach. You can shoot eggs at crabs. You can fly and shoot more eggs at more crabs. You can be turned into a
1: spider and crawl on webs. And shoot
0: more eggs at those spiders. And I think kill a crab's Babies. Uh, ish, in our, in yeah. I never really interpreted that as babies, but I mean, yeah, maybe. That's dark. I, it's, it's a stretch, Oof. but it's
1: also pretty yeah. weird. So speaking of which, Treasure Trove yeah. Cove, you start out on a pier, and then you immediately meet Snacker the Shark, and the shark pretty much like gently nudges players just to be better at platforming. Throughout, like you have these, it's pretty much like on an island, and there's plenty of water in between. You know, whenever just, there's water and you get in the water, then like Snacker the Shark they, comes in, and then they've got this, like their Jaws ish
0: mim- theme that plays when yes, it comes yes. up. Because, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like a preventative measure to just have you freely swimming everywhere, uh, even though there are like some collectibles in the water, so you gotta like you know, avoid him to, to not get chopped up, up. Yeah, he also literally appears but, out yeah, of thin it, air because that's how. You know, things popped in on the N sixty four, so it's kind of more terrifying.
1: Exactly, yeah. There was a couple times where, like, I was watching this uh, one video um, by this guy named Brown Bear. He was saying, like, well, it's, in comparison to the Xbox three sixty remake and the N sixty four original, there is these pop ins mm-hmm. where you, you would see something in the distance, like like, like this item or like something shiny. And then you would go to it, and then suddenly, like, a box or some type of uh, uh, some type of platform would just appear. It would just pop in and tell you, like, oh, here it is. But then in the 360 version, like, it can easily run of kazooie and it can render everything. So you just see a box in the distance and that little um, item collectible.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, too, that you brought up the VHS tape. Because, so, before, you know, the game, um, or I should say, in its beta phase... Uh, It was actually called Hammerhead Beach, even though, for whatever reason, uh, Snacker Ah, isn't a Hammerhead. Um, Also, the, you know, rhyming is way more fun. But uh, you brought up the VHS tape, and I couldn't (laughs) remember, like, if it was called that in that tape. But obviously not if uh, Levitz is all Treasure Trove Cove. Um, Oh, he he does legit say Treasure Trove Cove. But at at some point it was called Hammerhead Beach. Uh, we don't have to get into all the beta stuff because I'll, I'll just talk forever about like. Also, there's, al- there's also a there lot. was Mount Fire Eyes, which eventually became uh, uh, Hailfire Peaks and blah blah blah. All this other stuff.
1: See, this is why you're it, here. It is. <laughs> this is I can lean on you for that information. But after that, you mostly get to see pretty much like the entire level. It's just palm trees, crustaceans, and what you would kind of associate what a what a beach level would be. Or like an island level would be, and a little bit, a little, little close to the start of the game, you meet Nipper, the giant hermit crab. I think yeah, it's he's a hermit, hermit crab. crab. But it's just this giant. Okay, so yeah a giant shell and it's crab. It's just like a big old, big old, big old dick to you. It's this like tiny boss fight where you just like just like a dive kick on him, pretty much with, with uh, Banjo's ability, real easy. So then it, you, after you defeat him, you go into their their shell, and it's, it's pretty large for a shell. There's like It's pretty roomy in there. It doesn't look like it. But once you get in there and then you find a puzzle piece and two crabs, which, which is like a
0: weird interpretation here. I mean, yeah, I always thought of it as just like, <clears throat> oh, there's enemies in this area because, of course, there are. But you right, saying that right. it's <laughs> Nipper's Babies uh, puts things into a different light. Of like I was like, hey, right, I just killed right. your parent. Uh, I'm now gonna take this <laughs> this puzzle piece that he swallowed for some reason, and, and I'm also gonna kill you. All right, bye. Yeah.
1: But after that, there's like two new abilities you have in this in this level, and there's only about like nine or so levels in Banjo Kazooie, but they're dense. And this is the the second level. It, it's pretty much the level where you can. Kind of spread your wings and fly, uh-huh.
0: so to speak. Uh-huh. I see what uh-huh. you did there. Uh-huh. In fact, those are yeah. both literally reasons why I I think it is such a good example of of the just the series is because, as you said, it being the second level means you're past uh, the first level, Mumbo's Mountain, which is basically a bunch of tutorial stuff. Um, like right. so, as you said, it's just okay. Now you know the flow of this game. Here you go. Here's a level. Just go. Um, and, yeah, you also get the ability to fly there, which is just, you know, such a uh, – um, what's the word I'm looking for? Game changer? I mean, yes, it is a game changer. But, like, you, you <laughs> think of, like, Mario flying with his cap on, on like, the Mario 64 box art. Like, Banjo and Kazooie are flying mm-hmm. on their box art, too. Like, it's just – it's, like, the, literally the poster for what the game is, is you flying around with, with the bird on your back. And so, getting that in level two, and, and just being able to completely open up the level like that is really cool.
1: Oh yeah, it, it opens up plenty of avenues to do explore, and, and like uh, just Treasure Trove Cove itself, it, it does lend itself to like, all right, now you can fly, now you can reach these certain areas, or if you if you have enough of the this this certain item, the little uh, Kazooie uh, feathers, then you can like yeah, you can you can reach the top of the point and like you know fairly easily. Much easier than before than just simple platforming, but yeah, it goes full blown Banjo Kazooie at that point on that second level. You mentioned
0: flying up too. That's another another thing that I really love about the series is the way it plays with the music. Like, I guess it's just a thing Grant Kirkhope was was good at was uh, sort of composing mm-hmm. these themes that um, could take on different sounds. So, like in Tui, the um, the theme song for the overworld, the Ilo Hags, it ch- it changes based on what level you, you're near. So, like, if you're near Glitter Gulch Mine, you're going to hear the same theme, except it's played with, like, banjos and, and you know, a lot of strumming. If you're near oh, the Aztec good. level, then it sounds a lot more tribal. So, in Treasure Trove Cove, you fly all the way up to the highest point, like, on the on top of that lighthouse, and the music just fades out. Like, all you hear is, like, the sounds of you flying. And until you actually come back down to a little low, lower altitude, the music doesn't fade back in. So, it just really does this, just really, like, beautiful aerial... And musical representation of of what flying actually feels like when you just go up and you hear nothing. You're just kind of alone in in your own head when you're flying up there. (laughs) So, yeah, that's one of the new abilities.
1: There's there's two in Treasure Trove Cove. Um, The biggest one is obviously like Kazooie learning to fly, getting bats, and also the shock jump ability, which just just
0: allows Kazooie to just like launch banjo in the air, just do like a super jump of some sort. Yeah, it's like an extra high, high jump. Uh, that also feels kind of made redundant by the fact that you are able to fly in that level so <laughs> instead of using that to like scale yeah. a bunch of stuff you could just fly if you yeah. have the resources there's some weird stuff like that but <laughs> but they get around that with having like isolated indoor, this is more so in like later levels and in the sequel but they get away with the, uh, or they, they're able to kind of correct that problem when you have like larger indoor rooms where it's like okay this, this single room is a platforming challenge and there's no, here. Pl- there's yeah. no way to fly here so they get around that later, but for like, but but for like the overworld kind of stuff, yeah, you can kind of just fly to most things. <laughs> and another interesting thing too,
1: like when I started like watching some other uh, other people play some of the other levels in Banjo Kazooie, I started noticing that. Every level has this central focal point. You can Mm -hmm. circle around and pretty much relate the duo to that central point. Because obviously you have Treasure Trove Cove. You have that
0: lighthouse up above. Yeah, you've got uh, Mad Monster Mansion has the actual mansion. Rusty Bucket Bay Mm -hmm. has the giant boat. Clanker's Cavern has Clanker in the middle of it. Uh, Yeah, every (laughs) level does have that kind of like central thing. Or at least, if it's not a central thing, like in the case of maybe like Gobi's Valley or um, Bubblegloop mm-hmm. Swamp, it's not necessarily one centerpiece, but it is a bunch of things. It's a bunch of like smaller landmarks where you'll be standing at one and you'll see another thing and say, "Oh, let me go explore in that direction." Mm-hmm. It's like it's you know, it's like an early version of like the the, the design philosophy of, of Breath of the Wild, where the idea was whenever you're standing at an interesting landmark, you should be able to see two or three others and that way you're constantly mm-hmm. seeing something new that you want to go explore and that's kind of you know that was the philosophy of those levels too of the banjo kazooie levels was when you're standing here you should be able to look out and see a bunch of things that you will want to go investigate creating like a
1: crossroads without actually like putting like the the road signs yeah up exactly just just these visual notifications yeah that's, that's good that's good. Another game I still haven't played for uh, the wild. You should
0: do that too. It'll take you a lot longer <laughs> than playing
1: any banjo game, but it's worth it. I have a literal spreadsheets, Excel sheets of my game backlog, and
0: I still need to make retirement a retirement for millennials I've... is going to be an amazing thing because all we're going to do is play every game we never played <laughs> and stream every Netflix series.
1: Hey, I'm going to be empo- unemployed for like two or three weeks when I go to Pittsburgh, so I'm looking yeah, forward there you to go. that.
0: <laughs> uh, but so they, they've got the lighthouse. They've also got uh, the pirate ship um, and the pirate. Captain yes, Blubber. Which is,
1: yes. The burping, weeping yeah, And Captain
0: Blubber is actually one of those uh, rare Banjo characters that actually shows up in every game. Uh, so <laughs> a lot of they'll do they do really cool callbacks in Banjo-Tooie and in some other games where like you meet a character mm-hmm. that you met before. But Blubber specifically is, like I said, one of the ones that gets to show up in every game. So he's in this one, it's just like, he's just on his ship, and yeah, he's crying because he, I don't remember, I think he lost gold pieces or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He needs to find his pr- find right, his treasure, uh, and all that. He shows
0: up in Banjo Tooie. He's running like this pawn shop in Jolly Roger Bay, and there's like three or four important things in there that you can get from him. But it's cool because like you walk in mm-hmm. and they just speak to him like, "Oh hey, we haven't seen you in a while," and he's just like, "It's me." <laughs> also, he's crying and blubbering all the time, and his name is Captain Blubber because he's a walrus, and it's pretty great. Uh, he shows up in. There's layers yeah. to it. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> a lot of layers of cellulite to it. Uh, he shows he shows Ew. up in uh, Grunty's Revenge, which is the it takes place the uh, the Game Boy, yeah, Boy, uh, the game Boy Advance or? one. Yeah, it takes place but be- I want to say it takes Advance, place okay. between one and two, um, and you actually go like back in time to like an earlier version of the world. So with that game, you actually meet like a young Captain Blubber, uh, and then he shows up in Knotts and Balts. Uh, but who cares? <laughs> okay, so Banjo Kazooie 2,
1: Grunty's Revenge, is a prequel. It's, so, or is it an yeah, interquel? Yeah, so
0: I'm, I'm like 99% sure it's an interquel. It's been a long time since I played. I'm pretty sure it's an interquel cool where it. Um, so. <laughs> uh, this is not going to be easy. Yeah, well, at well no, so here, here you, you got Banjo yeah, 1. Well, here you go. I'll, I'll lay it out for you. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> the very beginning of Banjo 2 Bottles, who's your tutorial guy throughout all of Banjo Kazooie. Straight up, dies. Hole man. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's. He's like. He is dead. That's dark. Like, they blow him up. He's. You see his like burned body, and then a little ghost version of him flies up into the air and talks to you. So he's straight up dead. And if I remember correctly, the 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 thrust of Grunty's <laughs> revenge is that that happened, and so in order to try to prevent him from dying, Mumbo's like, let me send you back in time to maybe prevent this, and then it goes wrong, and he sends you too far back. Oh, so it takes okay. place, like, right before two kicks off, but it takes you back further than one. It's it's a... Yeah. But it's its own separate thing. And it's also, like, kind of neat. You know, the fact that they translated okay. a Banjo-Kazooie game to Game Boy Advance is really impressive. Because it... Was a it isometric? It's isometric, but it is still a platformer. Okay. Uh, and it's very impressive, the way that they were able to convert all that, that stuff over. That reminds me
1: of the... Those... Spyro
0: games on yeah uh, yeah yeah it's a, it's a lot like those Advance, and it kind of makes you think like oh maybe in a in a in a later time Project Dream could have worked because uh, it kind of makes you think of oh maybe this is what that game would have would have played like but obviously technology came mm-hmm. very far <laughs> since since the SNES uh, and those people who wanted to have
1: that project done probably left yeah totally I don't, yeah I don't even know if people want to do it.
0: properly uh, right developed by Rare I can't remember um and then there was the only other banjo game is actually another game boy advance one banjo pilot and it's actually the only one i haven't played because it's just a racing game uh so i don't know if blubber shows up in that one but he shows up in the other four um and then the only other like npc actually in treasure trove cove is leaky the pale uh who is exactly what it sounds like he's this leaky bucket and if you like crap some eggs into him it somehow plugs the hole uh then he drains the lake, and you get to go into one of the other set pieces of the level, which is the sandcastle, which there's, like, a little challenge in there. But it also doubles, like, as the game's password screen, which is really cool. It's just a floor of the entire alphabet arranged in a – not, you know, not in a proper alphabetical order, not in, like, a QWERTY order. It's just kind of – it's not random because it's not like it changes every time, but they're just kind of weirdly arranged. Right. And so, yeah, you can go in there and enter cheat codes and stuff. Uh, And that's just, so that's just a cool – area anyway is that the only place you can do cheat it is um so oh in in banjo tooie uh it's like this it's the same deal where it's a rearranged alphabet but it's up on a wall and you shoot eggs at it to spell stuff out um but yeah in in kazooie you just you just have the the sand castle but and you
1: just butt stomp uh, banjo kazooie to like lift up uh, an enemy so you can get like a
0: Uh, but then, but all that to me, and, and I already mentioned Project Dream again in the, in the context of of banjo. But like to me, one of the reasons this level just really sticks out is because Project Dream, you know, initially being this sort of pirate based game, it feels like such a clear through line. Then to have an actual pirate or beach themed level, right? It just feels right. It feels like this makes sense. This is the kind of level you should have, uh, and so. It, for me, that's just one reason why it sticks out. Obviously, we already talked about the flying and the fact that it's the first one you, where you actually um, spread, spread your, your, your yeah, metaphorical, metaphorical rings, and yes. literal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, to me, it, it all comes down to, to the fact that like it is the clear through line of what used to be the pirate platformer into Banjo Kazooie, and hmm. there's also, um, as I said before, <laughs> you picture Banjo Kazooie on that cover art. There they are flying. Here's where you learn to do it. So there's there's just so much to me that epitomizes what the series can be okay. and how it really opens up. Um, I, I weirdly don't feel the same about the pirate level in Tui because it's mostly an underwater level, and we know how those go when it comes to games. Yeah. Not great. Um not it great. gets a little bit better, because you do you do this magic spell and then you are able to breathe underwater at least. So it makes it a little a little better and you get mm-hmm. you get some cool abilities to make it not as miserable. Um <laughs> but uh but yeah this is the one. Like it's also uh it's not the only beach level in the series, but it is the best one. There is uh Briegel Beach uh in Grunty's Revenge, which is actually uh where Banjo first met uh Kazooie. He rescued her from oh, a like okay. prison cell that Grunty's keeping her in. That's how they became friends. Aww. Uh, that is how they
1: met. I see. So you mentioned the the cover art is Banjo and Kazooie flying. It is at least for Tooie. Oh, for Tooie. Okay. I remember for K- Kazooie it, it was just like, oh, what is this game? It's a collectathon. How would
0: I know that? I don't
1: know. Banjo's like literally like picking up items and he's like trying to hold it in, in his side. Yeah,
0: the the the, the art for Kazooie is not uh not as representative.
1: <laughs> right, right. I mean it's it's it, it leans in, in in its uh gimmick, I
0: guess you'd yeah. say.
1: Even though it's it's not really, I mean, it is a collectathon, so to speak, but it's far more like an action adventure.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, just before anybody corrects, uh, they're flying in the Japanese one. No, <laughs> not, not uh, okay. the standard Tui art is just their faces. <laughs> it's just Mumbo and Banjo and uh, Kazooie's faces. Um, but yeah, I mean, regardless of you know if I'm wrong about the art, so be it. But regardless. That feeling of, of flying and having that freedom, that is exactly what the game is about. So is there
1: anything else you want to say that makes Treasure Cove... Treasure Trove Cove. Treasure Trove... Treasure Trove Cove. There you go. Cove. There it was. TTC. T-T-C. How works. TTC. There we go. There we go. Is there anything else you want to mention that makes this... Particular level different from the rest or what, what,
0: what makes it it's probably got the best music in comparison from that game, too <laughs> in, in, in a I series gotcha. of Incredible levels each with their own incredible musical theme. That's probably the best one from the original It, it really is just just it's <laughs> the game in one package this one level so
1: I, I gotta ask I had no idea there was there was a giant quiz down as like yep. the final boss so there's like yeah the final before battle, you can actually boss, or like fight
0: a, the final boss the like final dungeon if you will in both banjo kazooie and banjo tooie is a quiz which a lot of people found annoying i always thought was just a really neat thing also no other game does that
1: right right, right i mean it seems like it's it's overly ambitious and it's like how am i supposed to know this but also like i applaud this this is Grand, ambitious experiment they're trying to do. I was going to ask you, like, what were your thoughts on the big old quiz? I down absolutely
0: here? love it. Uh, and they even up it in. So, so in Banjo Kazooie, you're basically moving across a board, and for each, you know, a couple spaces you take, you got to answer a question. In Banjo Tui, it's mm-hmm. actually more of like a game show. It's like you and Grunty's sisters are the contestants. Um, <laughs> but. I, no, I always thought it was a great sort of, like, um, there's, a, there's a term for, for when you, like, revisit everything before the climax, and I don't remember what it is. But it was just a great way to, like, remember all that you've been through before you actually... Remember this yeah. NPC? And, and, yeah, and, you know, you mentioned, like, the big personalities and stuff of these characters. I never did find the quiz all that tricky because the characters you meet are so memorable, And so, like, if they show you, like, a picture of some stupid bucket character, you're going to know he was from the beach, you know? (laughs) Like, so, it was definitely ambitious. A lot of people don't like it. They think it's, like, an unnecessary slog. I thought it was a really great revisitation of everything you'd seen throughout the game. Mm And, you know, maybe if you're not doing so well in the quiz, maybe you just weren't paying attention to the amazing detail that they put into the game. Maybe it was
1: that aspect where the
0: actual questions were, were like, too particular for, for like, kind of a kid's game,
1: but kind of not. I mean, not. There, there
0: are questions specifically that are about Grunty, the witch, and they're like weirdly like, what does she brush her teeth with? And it's like, onion-flavored toothpaste, or rat hairs, or some other thing. And the only way you know those is if you talk to a very specific like, uh, NPC right, who appears yeah. throughout the main map. So those questions I'll give you, like, that's kind of lame. Um, and in, the, and in Tui, you only get the answers to those because she's like, grunty's like broadcasting or something and she randomly pops up on screen and you can like read what she's saying and she says stuff like that or her sisters do or something like that so mm-hmm. that specific category of question i get why that's annoying but when it's like okay here's yeah. a character what's their name or where did you meet this character what level is this taken from they have such beautifully unique identities in the levels that like i never thought they were that hard to figure out Be- because that's they are fair. so memorable. I-, I
1: haven't actually seen yeah. it being played I, I haven't actually seen it being played. It just seems like this, this seems a bit much, you know, like, for like the minute I saw it being played. But, like, how does it. Is there, like, a fail state in there? You just got reverted back to the beginning of it? So we'll, yeah, we'll see. so in, in the first one, fail when you're moving across
0: there. the board, there's various squares. There's, like, uh, you can, like, collect. There's a couple items you can collect along the way, but then there's, like, you can get extra health. You can, uh, get safe spaces. You can get, um, like extra moves along the board or something like that um but if you uh get a question wrong you lose some health and uh so yeah it is just a basic like if you lose all your health you got to start the board over kind of thing um so so i get that there can be a degree of frustration to that um, uh, it's really, okay. it's it's not that uh, complicated. Just answer the questions right and walk to the end, really. That's all you have to do. <laughs> and the questions repeat? Yeah, there's a limited number. There, there's a pretty oh, okay. large number, if memory serves, but they do repeat. Oh, wow, okay. That's not a, that big it's, it's, deal. It's okay, really not. Yeah. <laughs> it is a lot tougher <laughs> in the second game, simply because it is a much larger game and there's a lot more to remember. Um, but even so, they, they really do, Rare really does have a good job of of making very memorable levels that, like, if you don't remember what it looks like, you'll remember what it sounds like, you'll remember some moment from it. Right. So, yeah. It's not easy, but it's not, like, the hardest challenge in the world.
1: Yeah, like, again, like, as weird as it sounds, it's, it's more like an action-adventure game than a quote-unquote true platformer. Because the, the whole point of it is, is just discovery and exploration than challenge by way of jumping, like, like you, you would see in, in a mario 64 mm-hmm. and like you said earlier like donkey Kong 64 like yeah that's that's a full-on collect-a-thon where like all you're doing is it's
0: like what are you supposed to be doing like uh just collecting all this stuff so you yeah can and there really aren't mm, and yeah and there, the point, and there really aren't Banjo. many solid platform challenges in, in dk64 and the, the few that are there like climbing the machine in uh in um frantic factory i think is the name of the level uh Uh, The few that are there, like the real platforming challenges, are infuriating. (laughs) So yeah, DK64 (laughs) isn't uh, about that as much. But Tui and Kazooie are games that are all about the platforming. Uh, And sometimes it's not necessarily um, about the pure platforming skill. Sometimes it's just about bringing the right power up or the right transformation to the challenge. Um, Unless you're talking about Click Wood, in which case it's a combination of everything to scale that giant tree.
1: that's another one that it was like, well, like whenever when somebody talks about Banjo-Kazooie he's like, Oh yeah. Click clock woods. Yeah. Great level. Probably the well, best I mean, level. And like, what, 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 made you like veer away from that? Or it was just uh, TTC. was just so strong and such a, such a great representative of the entire series. Yeah. Slash game I, well, here. I mean, like
0: I said, if I'm going to, if I'm going to even just picture a single screenshot from Banjo, it's, it's the two of them right. taking off and flying in treasure trove Cove. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, as far as other levels, I was telling you before we started, I view basically the entire series, every level between Kazooie and Tooie and Grunchy's Revenge, not Nuts and bolts because that doesn't count. Uh, I think you can make a case, (laughs) seriously, for any of those levels being the best. It's like when people talk about Beatles albums. It's like there is an argument to be had for seriously every level being considered the best one. Uh, Because they're all just given such TLC. And so... Yeah, I mean, the Treasure Trove Cove thing, there's the through line with Project Dream and and having a beach-based level. You know, obviously a big part of it, too, is just a matter of preference. Like, I think Treasure Trove Cove, before I had my own copy of the game, might have been even just the first level that I played. Um, But, like I said, as just a representation of what the series is about, that's the level. You watch somebody playing that level, you'll understand exactly what the game is about.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So, I won't even mention, like, ask you what your honorable mentions are, because it's kind of obvious,
0: so you just laid it all yeah, out there. I, you really could but. consider any level to be a favorite. They all have amazing ideas, uh-huh. uh, you know, some are more elaborate than others, sometimes it just comes down to, like, the theme you like, right? Like, some people don't like ice levels, mm-hmm. some people don't like desert levels, you know, whatever. Um... But there's mm-hmm. an argument to be made for every single one of them.
1: Well, what would you say is your number two pick for Banjo-Kazooie? I hate to put you on the spot like that, but... Uh, it's either... Is there a particular number two? It'd probably be
0: either freeze Peak or Gobi's Desert. Okay, okay. Any Anything particularly interesting about those Freezezy freeze Freeze-Easy two? Peak just has this giant snowman that's really cool to climb. <laughs> uh, also, you get to <laughs> fly a lot there, and that's fun. Uh, Gobi's Desert does a really cool job of having multiple pyramids in each one when you get inside is a different kind of challenge. Okay, so like challenge rooms in that one. Okay.
1: Nice. Nice. Well, I think that about does it for this episode of Level Selects. Tony
0: Wilson, is there anything you would like? Uh, yeah, I got tons of stuff I do. Uh, but the, the two primary things I'll plug. <laughs> uh, I will plug uh, work-related. I make videos at GameSpot.com, little website you might have heard of. Uh, go there and check stuff out. We do a lot of awesome stuff every day. So check us out there. Uh, and then not work-related, I am also on a Dungeons & Dragons stream every Monday night. Uh, that kicks off usually around 7 p.m. Eastern and then probably goes to about 10 or so. Uh, you can get to that on my buddy's YouTube channel. Uh, he is Red Shojin on YouTube, or Red Shojin plays. Excuse me. Shojin is S H O G I N. Red Shojin plays uh, for our D and D streams. We've been going a long time. Nice. Uh, we have literally hundreds of hours worth of content right now. <laughs> we're in our we're in season three of our main <laughs> campaign. Uh, it's been going for yeah. That- usually happens with the yeah. D mm-hmm. broadcasts. So there's, Yeah, so there's wild. a lot to watch there. Uh but we have a lot of cool stuff. We have like spin-off episodes and we have miniature campaigns we do in between the big ones. So we've got a lot of fun stuff there that's that's worth checking out. That's good. E-
1: ease people into the group here. Yeah, nice. Is there two
0: series you would recommend from GameSpot? Proper, I'd recommend all of our series. <laughs> not you know, not not just being like the the corporate chiller or pick. anything. No, no I don't. Um, well, I will say I help produce uh, Gamespot Daily every day. Uh, that airs at 11 p.m. Pacific or 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Uh, that's live on the sh- on the uh, website every day. we check that out. We talk about news of the day. Um, so that's really mm-hmm. fun. Uh, and other than that, I mean, we, we're streaming every day, you know, the latest games or something we feel like playing. So check that stuff out too, as far as, uh, live content. Um, nice, nice. other than that, we've got, you know, a bunch of other series and, and, you know, kind of fun editorial videos we do. So yeah, check us out. Check out, we, we were just yeah. at E3, you know, a couple weeks ago. We got a ton of that stuff too. If you missed out on any of the big games, one that
1: definitely c- crossed, uh, uh, caught my eye recently was the oh gosh, Far Cry Five. De-scaled. Oh potato mode, well, yes. Just looking at it from like yeah, potato yes, mode. People that's the really one. Yeah. like that. That was, it was just
0: yeah. We we take uh, really pretty games just like, and make them really not pretty. Uh, our my coworker Joey does a very good job with that show. Also, definitely recommend that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's far, far more involved than putting everything on the lowest setting. Yeah, we
0: we got to do some very much like don't try this at home kind of stuff with that show. <laughs> <laughs> Professionals only. Yeah, I gotcha. All right, then. Once
1: again, that this has been Level Select. You can support us at patreon.com slash PNB. You can check out all of our work there. And also you can check out our sister show called Grind Forever. It is Dylan Tierney's podcast all about them RPGs. You can check out PNB um, Podcast Official where it's just, you know, like it's Trav, Kayla, myself, and Dylan. Sometimes we don't uh, appear for a week or sometimes multiple weeks or it's, it's usually like a, re- a revolving cast of all four of us usually. But it, it's it's a, typically like a what you've been playing with some of our own personalities and all that stuff. One last thing Full Metal Optimist is back, so if you've been looking to listen to a anime podcast about Full Metal, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, do that, because Dylan and Trav are diving back into that. And that should do it. Is there anything else you want to? End on? Is there a particular song from Banjo Kazooie you want to? Maybe we should probably use the
0: Treasure Trove Cove theme since that's what we talked about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that can work. Totally fine by me. And tune in next episode for Houseworker.